0: This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Good morning. Our second reading this morning comes from Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. You can follow along with me in your Pew Bible. but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, this psalm reminds me of a famous poem by Robert Frost, where he talks about the two roads diverging in the yellow wood, and. The end of the poem says that he takes the road less traveled, and that has made all the difference. And this morning, in this Psalm, um, I hear the Psalmist who wrote this, which is David, saying, here are two paths set before us, the path that leads to destruction, or perishing, and the path that leads to blessing. And so this morning, we're gonna look at what it looks like to be the blessed man that this Psalm talks about, And ultimately, those who delight in the Lord are blessed. That's what this Psalm essentially is telling us this morning. Those, so the first thing that we learn from this Psalm, we look at verse one and David is saying, this is what it looks like to delight in the Lord. And he gives us the negative. Like, what does it look like? Don't do this. (laughs) So we're gonna look at what that looks like this morning. Those who delight in the Lord do not keep company with the wicked. David talks about not walking with the wicked or standing in their path or sitting in the seat of the arrogant or the scoffers. And I just want to clarify before we dig into this that what this does not mean. This does not mean that as people of God, we never spend time with sinners, right? Jesus was the perfect human he he lived a sinless life and he spent time with sinners so this can't mean that we never spend time with people who aren't christians and that may seem like you know like oh jordan we already know that i just want to remind you and clarify that i'm not saying we never spend time with people who aren't christians otherwise how will they hear the good news of the gospel right but what this text is saying this morning is that we don't gain our wisdom in our counsel, and our spiritual nourishment from people who are not of God. We do not gain our wisdom and our counsel from people who are not of God. But rather, as people who have committed ourselves to the Lord, we gain our wisdom from the word of the Lord, from God himself. And this wisdom from the Lord can be revealed to us in a number of ways, as I'm sure you know, through prayer, through um, time with other believers and encouragement and sharing different stories. And especially through Christian fellowship and accountability. But the thing is, is that when we spend time with people and allow their wisdom and their counsel and their influence to impact us, we are shaped by that. <clears throat> there is the story of this rabbi in the first century <clears throat> whose name I'm going to try to pronounce is uh, Rabbi Akiva. I hope that's right. And he talks about this, this waterfall. It's a slow waterfall. It's not like one with hundreds of gallons going over it every second. Um, and, this, and this slow waterfall dripped on this rock over thousands of years in this slow drip, drip, drip of this rock, eventually it it hollowed it out. It hollowed out a place in the rock. And if you think about how many gallons of water has probably dripped on that rock over thousands of years, if it all happened all at once, let's say it was 300 million gallons, it wouldn't affect the rock. But because it was this slow and steady drip, the rock was hollowed out. And I think of this in our lives, of how we're influenced and shaped by other people. The more we spend time with them in terms of gaining nourishment from them and seeking their counsel and seeking our fulfillment from them and their ways, we're going to be impacted, whether we realize it or not. And so this morning we have a choice whether we want to be impacted by the God The uh, wisdom of this world or if we want to be impacted and hollowed out by the living water of Jesus Christ and so David tells us what not to do at first first we don't stand in the way of the wicked we don't walk and we don't behave like them we don't think like them but rather as people who delight in the Lord we spend time with him we spend time with the Lord. So this is the positive side of what the blessed life looks like. And what does it mean to delight in the Lord? Delighting in the Lord looks like looking forward to reading his word, looking forward to spending time with him in prayer. And I'm not gonna sit up here sit, I'm not gonna stand up here and lie to you and say that every time we go to the word or go to prayer, it's easy and enjoyable because often it's a spiritual discipline, right? However, the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more we find ourselves delighting in Him. And so this morning, we're looking at what it looks like to delight in the Lord And I wanna give you some practical ways that we can do this because reminders never hurt, right? (laughs) So if you already know this stuff, just put it in your pocket, take it, whatever. If this is new for you and you have follow-up questions, I would love to talk about it. But one of my favorite ways to delight in the Lord is called Lectio Divina. And it's a particular way of reading the scriptures and it, it's, it's a way to slow down when you're reading and to interact with God in a new way. And so the first thing you do is you prepare. You sit down, and if you want to, you can light a candle or something just to bring the, the, the environment you're in into a calmer place, And like this one. And you can read through a, a passage of Scripture. Let's say Psalm 1. You would read through it slowly, and you would see what jumps out to you. What jumps out to you about that passage and then you would communicate with the lord through prayer in a loving and gentle way just talking to him about what this passage might mean and and this way of delighting in the word of the lord is different than just studying the word of the lord which is a great thing to do as well so then after you read through it the first time and you see what jumps out to you you focus on that chunk or that Um, portion of the passage and you meditate on it again by reading it again slowly and again you have a conversation with the Lord and at the end of it you're seeing what the living word of God this is the living word of God what he's saying to you that day what he's saying to you in that moment and once you have that communication with the Lord you just sit with it for five ten minutes you're not um you're not doing anything other than sitting thinking and letting the word of the Lord soak into you. That's just one tool that I use to delight in the word of the Lord. Of course, there are other things like prayer and sharing God's stories with one another. The thing about sharing uh, an encouraging story of what God has done in your life with somebody else is that it's going to encourage them And it's going to remind you of God's faithfulness and goodness. And the same is true when they share their story with you of what God has done in their life. Those who delight in the Lord spend time with him. And as we spend time with the Lord, our roots grow down deeper into him. One of my favorite passages is John 15 where Jesus talks about him being the vine and As we abide in him we are able to produce fruits of righteousness and the more time we spend with the Lord the more our roots grow down into him and David the psalmist describes this type of person who delights in the Lord as one like a tree planted by water so As Tim mentioned, I just graduated from Gordon Conwell. And when you drive onto the Gordon Conwell campus, it is absolutely beautiful. I'm sure a number of you have been there. And right when you drive in on the right side of the road, there's a tiny pond, usually filled with lily pads and geese and sometimes swan. And it's really beautiful. But right next to this pond is a huge weeping willow tree. And it's one of my favorite views on campus because. The light hits it, the light's hitting the water. It's just gorgeous. But as I was learning more about trees, I realized that weeping willow trees take 10 gallons of water for every one inch of diameter. That's a lot of water. And what surprised me even more is that on hot summer days, weeping willow trees need 100 gallons of water a day. That is a lot of water and David is in this psalm describing us as a tree like that. A tree planted near the water. And Jesus says in John 4 that he is the living water and so when we are planted near him, we are satisfied. We are no longer thirsting and spiritually hungering, but we are satisfied and when we're next to that water which is Jesus in this analogy, our roots are able to grow down into this rich soil and we become this steady, tall, beautiful tree, beautiful people, beautiful souls producing fruits of righteousness, which is the blessed life of delighting in the Lord. And I want to be clear that Producing fruits of righteousness does not come through striving and trying to do better and trying to do good works, although these are great things. But that weeping willow on Gordon-Conwell campus doesn't try to grow taller. And it doesn't try to bloom in the spring. It just does it because it's just resting near the water. And the same is true of us. We are able to produce righteousness, fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we are near the person of Jesus Christ. We are like the tree planted by water. And when we abide in our Lord and Savior, we are able to abound in fruitfulness and in righteousness. And as we move down in the text into verse four, David says, not so the wicked. And this is where that second path choice for us comes in. And it's, honestly, I, I never like talking about the, the downside of what it looks like to not be in the person of Jesus Christ and not to be of him. But there is a positive to this, that those who delight in the Lord and choose this path remain steadfast. And the wicked, sinners, they go down this path of destruction which leads to perishing. For those of us in Christ, living near the water, that big tree, we are steadfast through the storms of life. I don't know how many of you know this. I, I'm just learning all of this tree stuff as of late. Um, but the roots of trees often go below the surface of the Earth, three to six times deeper than the tallest point of the tree on the above ground. So if a tree is, you know, 30 feet tall, its roots could be 90 to 180 feet deep. That was quick math, by the way.) Um, and I'm sure that, you know, various trees, yeah, I'm sure it, it varies, but um, that really shocked me that roots can go down that deep. And it just brings out so much more for me in this passage when I hear about the tree planted by streams of water, that when the, the storms of life come and the wind blows, the tree remains steadfast because it has good nutrition and its roots are deep. But David also talks about the wicked. So he describes the person who delights in the Lord as this strong tree. But on the flip side, he describes the person who is not of the Lord like chaff. And I'm, I'm revealing a lot here today, but I am from Kansas. And one of the things that is happening right now is harvest. And I'm sure some of you have been around farmers and fields and all of that, but this was my whole life. And around this time, particularly, particularly during harvest, my allergies flare up really badly. And I'm thankful to be in a place like this during the month of July, because right now, my family back home is going through the wheat fields, they're on their combines, they're gathering the wheat, they're gathering their corn, whatever it is, and that's great, but what you see in the air is all of this dust flying off the combines, and that is what chaff is. It's the dead part that protected the, the, the fruit or whatever, you know, with corn. It's, the, it's like the stalk and everything and the dust that blows away, and it, it has no weight to it. So when the wind blows on these combines, the wheat, the seeds of the wheat and the seeds of the corn are able to stay in the combine and then in the truck that takes it to the grain elevator. But the wind just takes the, 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 the trash of this harvest and it blows it away. And David describes the person outside of the Lord like this chaff. It has no root system, it has no benefit The other thing it makes me think of this passage is I'm sure when you think of Kansas you're thinking of like those old western movies that are like you know filmed almost in a desert like scenery and some parts of Kansas are like that and especially in seasons of drought we get tumbleweeds and it's hilarious because I'll just be driving down the road and a tumbleweed just blows across the road and I'm like this is the most iconic thing about Kansas right now because it's like you're in a Wild Wild West movie. And if you could just hear the whistling in the background, it's, it, it, it's the perfect scenery. But a tumbleweed is just a dried up plant that didn't have enough nourishment. It didn't have a root system to protect it when the winds came, when the storms came. And by the way, it's Kansas, so we get a lot of tornadoes and high winds. So if it doesn't have a good root system, they're blowing across the road. And this is what the the picture is that we get in this passage. That those who are not abiding in the Lord and planting themselves near Jesus Christ are simply being blown about by the wind. They don't have fruits of righteousness to produce. And the psalmist says, David says here that when the day of judgment comes, they will not stand they will not last. But those who are planted by the water, Jesus Christ, the living water, remain steadfast through the storms of life and through the judgment. And some of us are saying, well, that's, that's great, Jordan, I, I want to be that person planted by the tree, or planted by the water, but I don't see myself producing fruit I don't see myself producing righteousness and so I'm confused which path I'm on and I'm here to tell you that if you are in Jesus Christ you are secure and you are steadfast and this passage doesn't say that this tree produces fruit in and out of season it says it produces fruit in season but its leaf never never withers. The the weeping willow, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, I have no idea if it produces any type of fruit or, I don't know. But I do know that when spring and summertime come along, the tree is absolutely beautiful with all of its leaves and uh, whatever it is that is it's producing on the outside, it is so beautiful. But in the wintertime, there is no fruit or whatever you wanna call it being produced on that tree, but it doesn't die. It doesn't, it doesn't fall over in the wind, it's steadfast and it remains steady. And the same is true of us. While we may not be making as much progress as we're hoping to in this area of our life or this um, part of our character, it doesn't mean that we are not planted by the water. And and to demonstrate what I'm, I'm trying to get across is that sometimes it takes time to see the fruit of our um the fruit of our righteousness. And so I want to share this little illustration. On a recent visit to two California vineyards, author Margaret Feinberg discovered that vintners must adopt a long-term approach to their work. According to Feinberg, the first year a vintner plants uh, shoots of vines rather than seeds uh, is because the vines are stronger. And at the end of the first growing season, he cuts them back, and a second year passes, and he cuts them back again. And only after the third year does the vintner notice clusters of grapes. And it's not usually until year four, until they're able to bring in their first harvest. Now this was shocking to me because it takes four years to get your first harvest, but more shockingly, they're not able to taste or drink the fruit of their labors until year seven or eight. And this this was the most shocking part. They're not able to break even from their vineyards financially until year 15 or 18. 15 or 18 years, this is why they need a long-term approach. And so Feinberg goes on and she writes, sometimes I look at my own life and wonder, why am I not more fruitful? And why does pruning have to hurt so much? Why does cultivating a healthy crop take so long? And those questions circle around here but God's perspective is much different. Like a good vineyard owner, he knows how to bring about fruitfulness better than I ever will. And he is patient with me, more patient than I am with myself. And as we fulfill our callings, we must recognize that like the vintners, our fruitfulness will not come overnight. The first harvest of our labors may not come for three or five years. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you that just like the willow tree, just like these grapes, all they do is abide in the soil that nourishes them. And for us, we plant ourselves next to the water of Jesus Christ and that is how we are able to grow strong and steady. And that is our delight. Our delight is to be in his presence. And so... As we enter these different seasons of transition for us as a church and for us as a nation and especially as individuals and families as we come out the other side of COVID, I wanna ask you, where are you weighing your decisions? Where are you getting your wisdom and your counsel? Is it from the world? Is it from people who don't care about the ways of God? Are you taking your decisions and holding them before the Lord, asking him which direction to turn? Are you planting yourself near his presence, in his presence? One of my favorite things to do to be in the presence of God is to go to the ocean, to stand along the shore and watch the waves come in, one after the other. And this reminds me of how God's grace, mercy and love continually washes over us without failure and without ever stopping. Are there ways this week that you can delight in the Lord? Things that you enjoy. When you delight in something, it's not a chore. It's enjoyable. Maybe for you, it's going outside um, and finding a beautiful place in nature and just talking with the Lord and reflecting on the beauty of his creation. And maybe it's like I said earlier, maybe it's spending time in scripture reading through it slowly and seeing what God is saying to you that day. And maybe it's sharing stories with a friend. What are ways this week that you can find yourself delighting in the Lord? Because when we delight in him, we are blessed and we are steadfast through the storms of life. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you this morning thanking you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who produces the righteousness in us, that as we place ourselves near you, you nourish our souls, you never leave us thirsty or hungering because you are the living water. We ask, Father God, for your strength this week. We ask for the courage to find new ways to spend time with you and we ask father that you would shape our hearts desire to delight in you and to find our wisdom and our counsel and our nourishment in you we ask all of this in jesus name i pray amen thank you for listening to this sermon from old south presbyterian church in newburyport massachusetts If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.